Microsoft plays catch up. Alexa flips burgers. Playbooks for security. AWS pulls an AT&T. Chrome is a virus. And we talk job hopping on tonight's Iron Sysadmin podcast, episode 68. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Nate, and I'm joined tonight by both Jason and Charles. Hola. One of you, yeah, there Hello. we go. That's better. Okay, so, how you guys doing? Charles, How? Uh, why, why have you not been on the show in so long? We have to call you out now. I'm going to have to pull out my uh, uh, excuse book and see what I said the last couple of times. So uh, <laughs> well, like I'm going to get the last, on that. The last eight shows or so. <laughs> That's okay. You're still beating sure, uh, You're still beating Dustin. Pretty, so. sure I was in, pretty sure I was in Portland for like at least one of them. Maybe two. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> right. I mean, it seems plausible. You seem to be in Portland more often than uh, than I can reasonably justify. <laughs> Uh, at any rate, um, right. So last week or last the two weeks ago when we recorded our show, I uh, I mentioned that I had some pretty interesting news coming up that I couldn't talk about just yet, and uh, that was mainly because I hadn't told my employer yet. But now I have. I'm starting a new job, guys. At Red Hat, freaking j- dream job for me. Uh, so. Um, yeah, you guys may have noticed that we've been picking up um, a little more influence, maybe not influence, but uh, a little more banter about Red Hat, and that's partially because I've been paying much closer attention to them. Um, this has been like a lifelong like goal for me, where I wanted to work for Red Hat, um, and the re- the recent purchase of IBM made me kind of question that, but or, yeah, purchase of IBM, purchase by IBM uh, made me question some of that, but uh, now that that's settled... And a, a, a position has come my way, and I took it. I'm starting as a, a TAM at uh, the beginning of October. So, uh, Charles, I, I don't know how that makes you feel since I'm leaving the team that you now have to pick up the pieces on, but uh, it's making me happy. <laughs> I wouldn't want to contravene YouTube's um, content <laughs> guidelines by giving my actual views on the matter, so we'll just, we'll just move on to the that's, next topic. That's right. So... Uh, Wish List- you the best, but you're leaving us in the lurch. Yeah, well, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I guess that's that's part of the problem uh, with so much dependency putting being put on uh, on one person on the team. Um, I'm not going to say I didn't have anything to do with that, obviously, but uh, things had just kept falling to me and falling to me and falling to me, and I kept making them work. Um, so I guess that meant everything was okay until I had so much work on my shoulders that I was having trouble getting any of it, any of it done. <laughs> But, uh, well, at any rate, you guys might remember Mark from a couple episodes back. Um, I, he actually came to me and said that there was an opening on the, on the team he's on, and I'll be working with him. So it's going to be a good time. Hopefully I find as much success there 
as I did with uh, with Lafayette for so long. So, yeah. But it's given us so, an- so for so for the the listeners that don't know, uh, Tam is that's a tap dancing animatronic monkey. Is that is that right? Yes, that's exactly what that is. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> Just making sure. Technical account manager. So I will be part of. That doesn't sound nearly as impressive. Yeah, I'll be part of the account team for uh, some number of customers, you know, um, and that'll I'll basically be like a technical extension of their uh, their team, right? So I'll, I'll I'll be expected to learn sort of what these people or what these customers do, and what sort of software they're using, and basically help them use it better. Um, that's what the role of a TAM, in a nutshell does at uh, at Red Hat. I think uh, Mark talked about that a little bit the night he was on. Um, he loves the role. You know, I guess we'll see. We'll see how much how much fun it is. It doesn't. It sounds like an interesting position, in my opinion. So hopefully, so, so you get to you get to kind of go to the customer and look at them and say, "No, wait, stop! You're doing it wrong. Let me show you." Yeah, I mean, I don't know about uh, tell them they're doing it wrong, but um, it. Uh, it's more like I have to understand what they're doing so that they can do it, so they can use Red Hat software most optimally and, of course, help, like, make sure they're getting the support they need and stuff like that. So, yeah, it should be should be interesting, I think. But it's given us an interesting idea for a topic for tonight. So uh, a lot of us work in IT, and we're in positions similar to what I just described where um, the place you're working for has a lot of dependence on you uh, because you're the technical expert or because you're just part of a team that's overworked, maybe. And um, maybe you feel like you can't leave because they depend on you too much. Or maybe you're just not sure if you should leave because you haven't been there very long or whatever. Uh, So I thought um, maybe we would chat tonight about just leaving a job. (laughs) Right. When when is it okay to leave? Um, Should you have any ex or should there be any expectations that you sort of owe an employer anything? Um, You know, things like that. So for me, I've been with Lafayette for 10 years and the place I was at before that was like two years. Right. And before that, I was at a place like seven years. And each one of them, when I left them, uh, I, I almost felt like I was disappointing them. When, when it was time to, to move on to something better. And none of them really made me feel that way. Like, none of them, none of the employers that I worked for enforced that. Um, it was just sort of a feeling that I had. And I guess that's just me. I don't know if everyone feels that way or not. But um, So it was, it's, it's always been kind of a tough decision, even when you're at a job you don't like, which I've been, you know, in that position in the past. Uh, where it's at, at a place where, you know, you don't su- you don't fully support what the business is doing, or you know, you don't like the people you're working for, or you know, whatever. You just have reasons for not liking what you're doing there, and um, but you still feel like obligated to be there. You know what I mean? So, yep. I don't know where exactly I was going with that, but basically that's just sort of like how I feel about being in a position. I feel like I'm there to be depended on, and. Um, I feel bad for, you know, leaving a, a role like that. But um, on the flip side of that, life's only so long, guys, right? So if you've got a dream or if you don't like what you're doing 
or if you're stuck in a rut and you just don't like it and you don't feel like there's any way to fix that at the current position, you know, don't spend your life hanging out there working for someone that maybe you don't like, right? So, um, no, Charles, agreed. I think, sorry, I was going to say both sorry. of you have, both of you, of course, have a work history and I'm sure you've both left jobs or were fired from jobs or whatever over the course of the course of time. So, I mean, go ahead and elaborate some, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I have this like fierce sense of loyalty to just about whatever employer I'm with. And maybe that's misguided. So I'm kind of curious, like, how do you guys feel about the, the same, the same, uh, the same concept? Yeah, Charles. Well, I mean, at least for the jobs I've had, yeah, I've felt that sense of loyalty, and that loyalty was reciprocated. Um, I I think that was probably specific in some ways to the industry I'm in and the places that I work for. Um, and certainly the job I had prior to this one where I was working for an institution where I'd also gone to college, there was kind of this double loyalty. Um and it was actually kind of hard to separate out those feelings, you know, being both an alum and an employee. Uh, that's easier. Oh, right. It's like, I'm just an alum. Right. just an alum now. And I can actually <laughs> go back and enjoy being there as an alum, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah. It, what you say about, you know, you know, not getting stuck. I think um, you know, something to think about is you have to ask yourself, um, do you like what you're doing? Are you happy? And, that, and that's tough thing to actually be able to honestly answer that question. I think part of you is going to say, well, yes, well, I mean, of course I'm happy. Um, and it can be difficult maybe to get an honest answer from yourself. Like, no, am I really happy? Like, do, do I like doing this? Do I like who I'm working with? Do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to still be here in some capacity and say two years, three years, you know, what's three years down the road look like? Do I, like, what is it I actually want to be doing? Yeah, right. I mean, sometimes you're in a job because it's what you fell into. And especially, I, I would assume anyway, in a, in a situation like you were in, you know, you I assume you graduated from that college and then you just started working for them. Like, were you working there as a student before you graduated and then just carried on over into it? Or was that a... Almost. I had, I had worked for them as a student doing um, various tech support kind of things. And so I knew some people in the department. Um then I graduated and I was going to take a year off before going to grad school. I stayed around and had a, have a temporary job with the facilities at the college, you know, doing home renovation and kind of fun stuff like that, drywalling. And uh, then they needed a temporary employee that fall. Uh, I was still around and I knew I was still around and uh, it turned into six and a half years. A very different role from what I started doing. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so, that's one of those things. Yeah, I, I did kind of fall into it. So the the I, I guess the point I was trying to make there was, um, since you sort of rolled right on into it, right? Because it was like I graduated, then I'm working there, and then I just sort of found a place where I fit. Um, you may not have been doing exactly what you wanted to do, right? You're doing a thing that pays no. the bills, but maybe it wasn't what you thought you'd be doing. No, I don't think it was what I would, no, it was not what I thought I was going to be doing, but I was certainly happy to do it. And I, um, you know, I liked my coworkers. I'm still in touch with some of them. Yeah. Um, and of course what I was doing changed over time and 
think part of the reason I wound up doing the job I do now at Lafayette is that eventually in the end, I figured out at some level from a work perspective, what it was I wanted to be doing and realized that in order to be able to do that most effectively, I probably had to go work somewhere else for a whole host of reasons. Like I just wasn't going to be able to do that where I was no reflection on them. I mean, that, that was just, right. I had to make a change in order to do that thing. Yep. Yep. So Jason, I know you have a very uh, long and sordid work history. <laughs> I don't know how you want to attack that. Who, me? Me? <laughs> yeah. me? I don't, what do you, I don't understand. What do you, you know who you we, to infer? we should have had a guest host on tonight. You know who I'm thinking of? Danny. Oh, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Danny could have gone oh, on for oh, half an hour uh, just listing his work history. <laughs> yeah, except he would have he would have derailed the conversation for the first half hour. He would have while he was in a, a car parked behind a dumpster at a at a Costco or something. Or something. Uh, who knows? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> anyway. Um my work history is my work history is fun. So um I don't quit jobs, jobs quit me. Um I think I've mentioned that in the podcast before, but uh I tend not to well, I'm 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 a long timer at almost every job I've ever had. Yeah. Um, you know, m- moving past the McDonald's and Burger King phases, which which are actually, I think, fairly long for for that phase too. But um, most of my career, I've been in jobs greater than five or six years in each position. Um, my last position was the shortest that I've had in, uh, I think, ever. Um, which was four years and that only ended because the company exploded into nothingness. Um, and I can't work for a company that's not there anymore. So, yeah, yeah. It doesn't uh, so, so I don't, I don't, I tend not to job hop, um, but I do struggle with this a lot. Um, I've been in a couple different jobs where things are questionable, um, which usually signals a period of time at which I'm shortly going to, find myself unemployed anyway yeah right. um but i you know i've had i've had struggles where I've, I've really questioned whether or not i really want to be where i am um and it's it's tough i i'm i'm typically i'm pretty loyal to a company um and if not to the company itself i'm loyal to the people i work with i've been fortunate enough to not really work at any jobs where the culture has been completely toxic and and the people have been toxic um not to say that I haven't worked with toxic people, but they've been few. Um, so it comes down to, to me, it comes down to, you know, sort of weighing back and forth what the pros and cons are. Um, so, you know, is, is the opportunity you're looking at worth jumping? Um, you know, especially if you're, if you have a family, is it, is it an opportunity that you can move to that, is stable enough to be able to support the family and get benefits and all that wonderful stuff. Um, or do you have enough, uh, savings or, you know, enough, enough squirreled away that should you jump into something that's not stable, you can yeah. sort of support yourself. Yeah. On, on the, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different aspects to it on the not stable side. I guess you have a bit of experience there where I don't think, I know I certainly don't, I don't know about Charles. Um, it doesn't sound like Charles has ever, jumped to a job he didn't think might be stable no i mean i've really i've basically had two you know long-term jobs you know i've been in you know now lafayette you know a little over seven years um 
one before that six and a half. I, mean, I like stability. It's something that I value. Yeah, well, um, there was a there was a little web host I worked at, which looking back probably wasn't as stable as I would look for today. Um, I mean, they did eventually close, but they had been open for ten years by the time I was working there. So I guess you'd call that at least some stability. <clears throat> but Jason, I know you were working at a startup. Like what? Yeah, you you didn't have much choice at the time. So, though. You were out of a job, and an, an opportunity came along. Um, well, there's always a choice. So yes, I was out of out of a job. Um, I I, I was unceremoniously let go from a place that we've all worked together at, uh, and sort of banging around looking to see what I was going to do. Um, kind of taking a slow roll on it. Uh, um, I had enough savings that I could last a couple months and and kind of try to figure out really what I wanted to do next. And this startup sort of. Um, pretty much appeared out of nowhere. Um, I was chatting with uh, with a friend and somebody who happened to be at the table was like, wait, what are you looking for? And kind of laid out what I was looking for. And then they were like, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, I've got a position for you. I went, oh, okay. That's um, and it turned out to be, you know, a, a an immediate stage startup. Um, as in they got their office space the month that I started <laughs> uh, in a WeWork. Yeah. Um, and the first um, nine months or so were the work was there. Yeah, work was absolutely there. Um, and the money was good when I got paid. Right. Um, and, and I was made whole pretty much throughout the whole thing um, as, as it went forward. Uh, fortunately, it was a financial startup. The people that were involved for the most part were people who um, apparently just had money falling out of every orifice and didn't have to worry about things like paychecks. Um, so I was, I was lucky enough to be one of the first on the list to get paid um, when money did come in. And it took about, it, it took almost a year to sort of stabilize to the point where we had actual uh, capital that came in to keep us sustained. And we turned that into a four year run. Um, yeah. I won't go into the details of, of why it blew up, but, I will say it wasn't yeah, I don't a product. Think I would anyway. <laughs> um, it was. It was. It was purely a uh, mismanagement situation. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, and and yeah, because if, if if it wasn't for that, we'd still be going. Um, we had a product, and it could have gone a lot further than it did. So you know, after that first year, it was stable, and I never really worried about where the paycheck was coming to from until uh, like the last last couple of months, um, which was another you know, interesting ride. Um, so I've been through the, uh, beginnings of a, uh, a startup. I've been through probably like the first, first two phases of a startup as it goes, as it moves from like, um, seed capital to VC to, you know, like, uh, raising funds through series, um, series raises. And I've been through the, uh, um, the wonderful ride of, uh, watching it blow itself apart. So, um, and, you know, during that, there was at least one or two times that, um, you know, the thought entered my mind of, you know, I'm not sure if this is the right place. Um, things are starting to go a little sideways. Um, maybe it's time to jump and go somewhere else. And, you know, it never really got to the point where I was seriously looking. Uh, and they sort of righted the ship and, and fixed the, the problems that we had 
issues with. Um, and that was one good thing about it. Uh, but then at the end, you know, I had to move. Um, and now yeah. I'm in a new position. So, so these things, the these end. things come up. Yeah. Yeah. These things come up and, you know, the, the, I mean, as far as jumping jobs, the, the one main piece of advice I would, I would probably give is, you know, blowing up the job you're at without having a place to land is not the wisest idea. Um, no. I, I would argue that I don't, the, the jobs that like, like I said, I've basically been fired from everywhere. Um, I don't purposely blow them up, um, at least consciously. Uh, so I'm not, you know, I'm not actively looking for something when stuff like this happens. Um, you know, and I've learned a bunch of different lessons from, from the various things that have happened. Some of this is my fault. Some of it's not, you know, and I, I try to change as, as things move. Uh, right. but you right. know, I mean, nobody's perfect, jumping, right? jumping without a place to land is yeah. Jumping, jumping without a place to land is a bad idea. Oh yeah. Just like um, flip, that said, flip the desk and walk out. That's a bad, bad move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that said, um, the other piece of advice I would give is that if you are in a toxic environment and you are getting, um, and, and it is affecting you mentally or physically, um, even if you don't have a place to go, it might actually be in your best interest to get the hell out of there. Even, I mean, I know money can be tight and things can be rough, but staying in a toxic environment because you have nowhere to go is it could actually be more detrimental than than. I mean, I I guess to some extent that depends on you, and only you can determine that, right? Like some people are just really resistant to that. Some people are just eternally optimistic, and <laughs> it doesn't matter what's going on around them; they're just doing it with a smile. <laughs> and other people, right. right. Other people really get drugged down by negativity, and that's not a good environment for those sort of people. Yeah, I, I've I've only been in one environment um, where things got, and and I don't I don't want to say the environment. I want to say management was toxic in this this place. Um, my coworkers were great, but the the manage the management piece of it was just absolutely toxic. And I got, you know, I was I had to go home several times physically ill. Wow. Um, and that was that was that's the worst situation I've been in on a job. Um, that fear not, they fired me uh, probably like a month later anyway for <laughs> something completely unrelated. Um, I think but, I know uh, which place you know, that you're talking was. About. That, yeah, that that was a firing that I went home um, and and I walked through the door and uh, uh, my wife looked <laughs> like, at me. Honey, I've got good news. And and, and clearly, you know, we had been married. I don't think we've been married that long um less than 10 years probably more like five years and she took one look at me and said you got fired didn't you and i have never smiled so broad in my never, entire never life. mind and the I fact that you're went, that you're home yep. in like the middle of the day right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was she i she just i've come i mean i'd come home sick before but i mean yeah. she she just took one look at me and she's like you got fired didn't you and i just cracked the biggest grin and i was like yep Yep. And I feel like a weight has been lifted and I feel so spectacular right now. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, and there's, that actually was good for me. There's places that are just bad to work. And that's similar to the experience I had at that web host I was talking about. Now, I was only there about two years. And they, um, the guy who ran, it was a really small place. It might have been 10 employees. The, the guy who ran the place realized that folks like me were his bread and butter. 
Like if we weren't there and we weren't doing a good job and we weren't happy, um, he'd sink because like all of his customer base depended on us having a stable platform to run their websites on. And, um, so I was treated probably better than most of the employees, but some of the others that were there, you could tell it was just not a good place to work. And that bled through even to me, even though, even though I was being treated relatively well and being paid relatively well for the skill set that I had at the time and the point of my career that it was. Um, so when I got out of there, it was just like, I mean, the, the job was stressful, you know, aside from all of that, it was stressful because we had two admins for like a hundred servers and these things were just falling over left and right, held together with duct tape and bailing wire because he didn't give us any budget to keep stuff up to date and fixed and whatever. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of stress there. And I, I gotta say when I left there, I was pretty darn happy. <laughs> so I don't know if it's quite the same as, uh, as what you were describing, um, you and I worked at the same place I think you were talking about, but my experience there wasn't nearly as bad because I wasn't in the same group as you. That whole place was kind of yeah, up, no, but... yeah. That, that there was there was a lot wrong there. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's gotten any better, but yeah, no, I mean, and then the way. job I had after that, yep, the job I had after that is one of the one of the only jobs I ever quit. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was just, I, I, uh, so a mutual friend of ours. Um, so I had, I had left the, right. I'm sorry, the, the previous job had booted me out. I started this new job and a mutual friend of ours kind of came to me and said, Hey, I've got a position open. You want to come join us? And I was like, but I just started this new job and I kind of want to do things. Kind of like it here. Um, and I, I hadn't really had a chance to like it. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody who. I want to give my, you know, minus a toxic environment, like any job that I, that I go to, I kind of want to give, you know, a good, give it a good chance and, and sort of see what I can do there before I, I yeah. jump. And yeah. I had only been there a couple months. Um, and then, you know, some, some time down the road, that company got bought by another one. Um, and it's about the same time that he pinged me again. He's like, Hey, uh, we're still looking, you know, are you interested? And uh, I was like, yeah, but, we just, you know, went through a buyout and new overlords and bigger company. And I think I can make a huge difference here. So let me, let me see what's going on. And it, uh, about two years after that, um, I had sort of run my course there and realized that um, large corporate companies are uh, not something I can deal with. I don't really have any problem with anybody. I just like, I have, I have, I don't like having to go through, months of waiting to get approval on stupid things um, yeah. when i see that you know like the company's bleeding money on this or you know this is being done completely wrong or like i was a uh network engineer and you know i had they were having issues throughout the network with some things and i, I tracked down what it was and reported it and the effort to get that fixed which was like it was like two lines in a cisco router the effort to get that fixed took weeks of approvals and and you know this person had to look at it and we had to make sure that this person's ego wasn't bruised and this person needed to say because they're a vp and i'm like okay that's cool but you've got customers that are down for weeks yeah that's and, that's and a problem worried about this guy's ego that's a problem um so i i believe i reached back out to our friend and said hey um got anything you still got that like, open yeah. And uh, 
He's like, well, you're just waiting. I went down and interviewed. <laughs> yeah, I went down and interviewed. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. And they were like, okay, cool. And I went through my first panel interview, um, which was a really weird experience. Yeah, interviews there were and, uh, and I joined up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I joined up and, and off I went. What's, what's interesting is that uh, I found that the interview process there is not much different from the interview process I've been through since. So uh, when I yeah. interview, I expect usually at least a half a day to a full day yeah. at the company it's I'm not, interviewing for. Once not, a month just, site. not just half an hour meeting with the boss in and out, right? So no, I, no. Your, it's... your experience there between your, your last employer and then uh, the one you were just talking about uh, brings up really kind of the, the, the final point for this particular uh, thread, I suppose, would be um, when you started a job, is there such a thing as I haven't been here long enough to leave? Like you were saying, like you, you like to see what you can do there and, and get a feel for the place before before you hop. Now, I have never left a job. Uh, I think the shortest I've ever been at a, at a job. No, I lie. Uh, when I was in high school, I worked as a dishwasher for a day. <laughs> that's my shortest job. <laughs> Doesn't count for much. Figure that you didn't like washing dishes on day. But, well, you know no, your wife was, still complains about you not liking washing dishes. It was I was underage, and um, in in PA here, underage drivers can't drive after midnight. Now, obviously, there's an exception if you're working; they they'll let you drive after midnight to get home. But I was also still in high school, and uh, basically, my parents are like, "You're not working till midnight," and then coming home at 1 a.m. because it was, you know, like 45-minute drive home and then get up for school the next morning. We're not letting you do that. And they had me, the dishwasher, you know, they're the last ones there. They're the ones cleaning the place up. So, yeah, that's that's why that didn't work out. But anyway, uh, that web host that I was there for two years, that's the shortest real job I've ever held. And, you know, um, I can't say that I would have noticed the negative side of that job in the first couple months I was there. It took me a good year to really start to see it, right? So, um, I don't know. How long does it take before you can say, you know, this job just isn't for me? You know, is it is it a quick thing or, or not? Um, I don't know that any of us on this, this particular podcast have that answer. <laughs> but we can certainly try to well, talk it through. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, certainly I think... Um, <sighs> You know, when I, when I was at my last job, I did a lot of desktop imaging and I had a lot of face-to-face contact and I saw a lot of new hires. And it was always interesting to see how long people lasted. And there were definitely some offices that had notable churn. I think the record was the person who lasted basically three days yeah. um, in an administrative position. It's like the story I was told was this person went out to lunch with the people they'd be supporting they explained to that person the full scope of their responsibilities and they quit in a panic. They're like, nope, see ya. So, nope. Now, but, we had, you know, that's the thing, right? You know, you get read right into a job slowly over yeah. weeks, months. You gradually pick up responsibilities and you get a sense of what this job actually is and what you can make of it. Yeah, we had, when I was at that web host, uh, we had a guy <clears throat> came in to be the assistant sysadmin or network admin they called us uh underneath me not quite underneath we were we were more or less a pair but whatever um he had worked at the place before and had left to go do other things and then he came back because he needed a new job he lasted about a week and then he saw you know basically the uh the the state of the hardware 
realized it hadn't changed from before when he was there and said he couldn't take the stress and left. <laughs> I mean, he just couldn't take the idea that he'd be getting woken up at two in the morning, which happened quite frequently there. <laughs> and there wasn't much we could do about it as admins because we didn't have the budget. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it, I've seen it occur. It, it really put the, put me and the, the host that I was working for in a bad spot because, you know, we were short staffed. That's the whole reason we hired him. And then he just abruptly left. I mean, he just like, sorry guys, I'm not coming in today. I can't do it. And that's it. We don't have him anymore. You know, so it really, it really, you know, cause he gave no real notice, which is, you know, a problem. So, yeah. But I guess you can, you can get a feel for a place just by seeing who works there and seeing the general, like, uh, the, the overall attitude of all the employees, right? Or at least the ones you work with. If they all seem very cynical and very, like, I hate this place, it's going to rub off on you pretty quick. So... I don't know. But, you know, at the same time, you got to give it time. Like, yeah. a story that's only grown in the telling is, you know, we hired a new web developer last year, and we began onboarding him basically in the middle of um, that incident we've discussed on, you know, you previously discussed on a podcast. Oh, know, right. The, uh, you know, the oopsie. So, you know, we, you know, we hire this poor guy and, you know, the first month of his employment, we're busy trying to put out this <laughs> forest fire. Everything's on fire. He walks in and the whole place you know, is it, burning. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. And, you know, he, this is, this is, this is in no in way indicative of, of, yeah, and it's in no way indicative of the normal state of affairs. It's just yeah. how it happened to work out. So you have to give, you have to give a job some time, you know, if you can afford to give it time. I mean, you yeah. know, if you if you feel the urge to run screaming, you know, maybe listen to that quiet nagging voice, but you know, yeah, I guess I, I couldn't have blamed him for thinking that we were uh, not a great place to work. Having started in the middle of that, I assume that you and your, your coworker did your best to, uh, to calm that. <laughs> I have no idea what we said. Knowing us, it's entirely possible. It was all gallows humor, but uh, he's still here. <laughs> yes, he is. He is. And working out pretty well, I'll say. No, well, we're not going to embarrass him, but uh, yeah, no, I, mean, you know, I don't know that he listens to things. the show. I gave him a sticker, but I don't know if he actually listens. <laughs> I don't have a sticker. Um, I, I, I we... mean, uh, well, I'd say I'd give it to you before I leave, but <laughs> I'm going to see you next week. <laughs> he's been saying he's been saying things like that a lot lately, and I'm starting to doubt some of the, some of these things are going to happen. They're um, literally right over here in my bag. I'll get one and I'll show it to you. Oh, you can't see me. Never mind. <laughs> so I want to turn that discussion around for a second. Just touch on one one other aspect. Um, I think it's kind of come up during the discussion. I just want to put a pin in it. You know, you can find yourself in a position where you feel like you're an indispensable part of an organization, and maybe you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and as hard as it is, I don't feel like you can't let that be a factor in what in a decision to take another job. Yeah. So like if you're, if you're, if you're indispensable to an organization, that's ultimately the, that's kind of the organization's problem. Yeah. So that and web host, that you, I you need to, you need to feel, feel like you can get up and leave. Yeah. The, the web host uh, that I've talked about several times now, um, when I left, they lasted about another two years. 
And they went through a string of like four different admins in that two years and ultimately closed. Now, I don't have such a big head as to think that my leaving brought that on because they did have a lot of other like sort of mismanagement problems. Um, but I do wonder sometimes, like, had I stayed, would I have just ended up unemployed or would I, would I have been, uh, you know, the catalyst that helped them stay afloat? I don't know. You know, um, I can say with some certainty that Lafayette's not going anywhere because I'm leaving. So, you know, <laughs> it might be a hard time for the IT folks, you know, until you get beyond all the stuff that, that really rested on my shoulders. But I think you guys have a plan for that, and I think it's going to go fine. And to be honest, um, if, if, if it really comes to it, give me a call. <laughs> like, I'm not going to turn you away. No, yeah. <laughs> no danger of that. But, you know, it's yeah, funny. Right. It's amazing how quickly you forget when you move on from a job. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I said similar things when I left my past college and like, and, you know, for the first uh, month, month and a half, you know, there's the occasional email like, Hey, do you remember about this or that? You know, just things that I hadn't been able to document before I left or where the documentation didn't have enough to say. And, you know, pretty quickly I got to the point where like, I'm sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember anymore. I've, I've I'm moved not, on. <laughs> I'm not dealing with it every day. Yeah. I'm not dealing with it every day. You know, yeah. it just, there's a lot of that information that's basically it's in your head because it's immediate because you're interacting with that yeah. job pretty often, yeah. but it, uh, it slips. So, also, if you're planning to leave a job, please consider documenting the things you do for the benefit of um, current and uh, future coworkers. I tell you what, all I can say is I hope Red Hat does not run MediaWiki because I'm getting tired of looking at it after the past two weeks. <laughs> I've been doing nothing but updating documentation <laughs> for the past two weeks. <laughs> what What is this documentation you speak of? Yeah, right? It's foreign concept. I don't. Is that something new that you have there? Listen, I don't remember I, that when I was there. I still come. Wrote some, we're still using some of yours. <laughs> I I still come across uh, some of the oh, stuff. Oh, I apologize. I still come across some of the stuff that that I inherited when uh, when you were fired, man. That um, I'm like, how was this done again? And I can't find your docs on it. So, <laughs> uh, you can ask. I might remember. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I only go one deep. So, I mean, once you leave, nobody can call me about anything because I, you know. Oh, okay. That's that's fine. Sounds good to me. <laughs> it's not non-transferable. Non-transferable. All right. Well, I hope that was an informative discussion. We kind of just trail all over the place. We're not like career experts here. We're just talking from experience. Um, so hopefully somebody out there who's in a job that maybe they love but might think they're destined for something else or in a job they just hate and they're not sure they can leave um i hope that helps you life really is so, i mean it's only you only got so much time here don't don't spend it in a job you hate that's and and if you do find yourself in a position where you actually need career advice um i do know some people that can potentially help yeah so feel free to reach out and i can put you in touch um i know some absolutely amazing recruiter um types that that are both career advisors and and recruiters and um, have really good information about resumes and other stuff. Um, and they've helped me out 
quite a lot. Um, and they're, they're just awesome people. I mean, speaking of that, we could probably do a whole episode on building a decent, uh, professional network. Um, like I said, this job that came to me from Red Hat, uh, I don't think I'd be here, you know, accepting a job at Red Hat had I not met the right people over the years and had the right conversations and impressed the right folks, you know, like coming in off the street and dropping a resume, you know, even if it's the best qualified resume in the world, uh, if they know something about you other than that resume, it's always going to, you know, look better on you. All right, so I think we're going to go ahead and play that transition music and get on into the show, the rest of the show. So that was fun. All right, so um, I'm going to give you guys the usual Patreon update that I've been trying to do each show. Um, Patreon, uh, I don't think it's changed since since our last show. Um, still 57 a month, which is cool. Much better than it has been for most of the show. It picked up about a month or two ago. Uh, we've got eight patrons in all, two of which are the people who are co-hosting right now. <laughs> and the rest of them are Julius, Andy, Mark... Uh, this guy, 22532, Dementor, and John. So thank you, folks, for giving to the show. We very much appreciate it. Um, I am tinkering with uh, Kubernetes on DigitalOcean, and I'm hoping to move the Iron Sysadmin site uh, into that, along with one or two other things that I already uh, host on DigitalOcean uh, for a little more resiliency um, last time on the show, I was talking about how I run these things on a very tiny digital ocean droplet just to save money. And it runs out of memory pretty frequently. And literally the next day it had run out of memory. So <laughs> I'm hoping I can improve that situation, uh, and learn Kubernetes at the same time, because it's something I've always wanted hey, to man. poke at. You can fix that. You can fix the memory problem with a shell script and a cron job. I could fix the memory problem by just spending, uh, instead of $5 a month, $10 a month. uh but uh but yeah so that it'll it'll move me from the very low uh, cost digital ocean droplet that i've been getting by on to up to like a 30 dollar a month bill because kubernetes needs more than just a single host um but the 57 a month will cover that which is great so that's cool all right um any other announcements looks like you got stuff in here about b-side jason yeah, so uh, uh, the long-awaited B-Sides Delaware registration is now open. Um, there's a link in the show notes. The call for papers is open. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, we're also looking for volunteers. Just hit me up on, on the Twitters, um, and I will get you to the right place because I don't know where the link is for that off the top of my head. Um, but this is our this is our 10th year. Um, we're hoping to do some some fun stuff, and it uh, should all come out. Um, so November 8 9 this year. Uh and same place as last year at uh, Delaware Technical Community College. That's cool. So, fun time. All right. Uh, no new reviews since our last show. I went and looked around a bit, and I guess, uh, Jason, you have that review service. Nothing nothing came into that, I assume? No. We need reviews, people. Come on. Yeah, more reviews. We like the reviews. We like to hear from you folks. 
We like to know what you like and what you don't like. Otherwise, we don't know what to change. Maybe that just means we shouldn't change anything because we're doing everything awesome. Except when we mess up the headings in the Patreon update. <laughs> all right. So I guess I already mentioned what I've got going on. Um, you know, switching jobs and all. I've been crazy busy <laughs> trying to tie up loose ends at my current job and then plan. I have to actually go to North Carolina for new hire orientation at Red Hat's corporate offices. So that will be next. Well, next week? No, the week after next. I'm losing track of time here. It's so freaking busy. Uh, that and on top of all my various family things that are going on. It's like the last two months have been have been a complete blur, guys. <laughs> you guys have anything fun going on? Any cool projects? Yeah, uh, I continue to work on the. Oh, they're not there. They're gone. They work on the shelves. The shelves are gone. <laughs> well, the, so they were in so that I could measure them and make oh. some adjustments, and then uh, they're back on the garage. I've got the first. The bottom shelf is done, um, and that's ready to be installed. And then the. The, the first shelf, because we started zero, it's it's an array. Oh, uh, right. So shelf number one is uh, almost complete. Um, I put, uh, having a, I got to do a final coat of poly on the other side and then um, do the final buffing of the uh, of, of it. And then uh, that'll be ready to put in. And then I go to assemble shelf number two. So, so I'm doing that. Um, and then I got, I got some new toys today. Um, so I'm going to, I'm gonna be a thermometer person, thermostat person. It, oh, so you got, got a nest. A bunch of. Is it a nest? No, no, no. It's an echo bee. Oh. Um, what the hell so is an echo bee? Same, same idea. Uh, echo bee is one of Nest's competitors. So yeah, you, you. Uh, would never, same idea. You would never buy a nest. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so now the project becomes uh, the couple of places where I can run wire. I will, and the other place I'm going to learn how to use this thing that um, basically carries power and splits wires and and does all sorts of neat stuff um, to get the signal up to where it needs to go. Um, so that's going to be over the next couple of days, I think. And, that's cool. And then I will move from the the old 1900s thermostats to uh the 2000s smart stuff yay smart thermostats yeah yeah i mean we have um we have the mercury thermostats now which i mean you turn them up and you get hot and you turn them down and you get cold but they're they're not i don't find them very good at at keeping a temperature keeping a constant temperature um they're too they're a little bit too uh uh too much of a coarse change um and we put a we put an early model smart thermostat in the old house that we had, and um, it the change in the constant temperature of the house and the change in the the heating bill was immense. So I think it's it's worth doing. So this will be fun. Cool. And my my army has arrived. So your army? Oh, you you got the ducks. <laughs> so th this is the best so i ordered ducks that came in today and then um another package came in as well and um i had no idea what it was because i hadn't ordered anything 
and and it had it had a gift receipt in it that said you know the rules and i was like what the hell is this i don't i didn't like what is this um so it's this nondescript gray bag um okay. which is another hundred ducks what so so the the master of the uh, duck army sent me sent me ducks to distribute oh so, so you didn't I, i've got to get busy you didn't just go buy ducks you uh I, I had, um, and then I was surprised with additional ones. So I've, I've got now twice the size of the army that I started with. It's funny. I was about to go buy some ducks. So I guess when I buy ducks, I have to make this a public thing, and then I'll get more ducks. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Maybe. maybe uh, yeah, I, I suspect I know who sent them, but I, I don't actually have a name. So Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Is it creepy that they got your address somehow? If it's the person I think it is, then they already had my address from a previous thing that, that okay. they had sent me. So okay, um, so not as creepy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If it's not them, then what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I mean, he's a public figure. Um, Jason Street's been talking all about the ducks in his neighborhood um, on Facebook. He and I are friends on Facebook. The face. Um, and I've, I'm trying to convince my wife that we need to get some ducks so that when we go out on walks, we can, we can also put them around our neighborhood as though he has been. <laughs> because Amazon. Yeah, bucks. I know. You can, get for, you can get like 200 ducks for next to nothing. I mean, it just it sounds like he's having so much fun and his neighborhood is just playing along so well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, so... Yep buy ducks i have to go buy ducks yeah i gotta find uh i gotta find a link to this uh duck army thing and put it in the the chat so charles what what have you been up to anything fun well i have no duck related stories uh unfortunately it's been forever Um, since you've been on there has to be something you've done in the past like six months (laughs) you know you'd think that and yet well (laughs) so i've been manoodling around with a i don't know if i'd mentioned this um, playing with this uh, static gallery generator called Thumbs Up because um, I'm looking for an alternative to Flickr, and so what's cool about it. You know, you have a hierarchy of hierarchy of files. You make sure that you've written your metadata like title and tags as you know into the files as EXIF data, and then the uh, you know, the gallery generator just spit out, you know, this whole massive collection of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which you can then go park in an S3 bucket for, you know, pennies. And then you've got this pretty nice-looking gallery site. It's got Lightbox integration with um, OpenStreetMap via Leaflet.js, so, you know, geotagging if there's... Cool. ...longitude and latitude in your images. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. It sounds interesting. I Simply, uh, I mean, <clears throat> the the gallery problem is a thing that I just gave up on and started using Google Photos for because, you know, whatever. I used to run the old PHP gallery. I think you and I have had this conversation before, um, and that's like woefully out of date now. They changed the way that they run it, and it doesn't serve the same purpose that, or the purpose I was using it for anyway. It didn't do it as well anymore. So, yeah, I uh, I kind of stopped using it, and then I. Didn't have a solution for a while, so Google Photos it is. Mainly because I yeah, was so... Yeah, my thing was... 
I was so into the Google ecosystem at the time that I was making the change. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, my thing is, I just wanted to have, you know, this is just kind of a publishing repository. You know, I still have my local archive, but I wanted to have control, and I was tired of moving things. Uh, I was tired of being dependent on somebody else's tools, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't object to paying. I had to go to Flickr Pro because of the price change. I don't object to that. I mean, but yeah, just it got me thinking, can I come up with an alternative that's acceptable? Cool. Hang on, I'm adding a link to where people can buy rubber ducks to the uh, the show notes. So folks, you can buy rubber ducks right at this link I'm pasting in the show notes. <laughs> which 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 will help because we need to spread the army. We have to spread the rubber duck army. All right. So, I think that covers the chat. Let's move on into the news, huh? What do you think? Sounds like fun. All right, our first article of the evening comes from Forbes. Uh, you might remember we talked about this, uh, it might be a year and a half ago, um, about Microsoft and their, their um, well, they want to get to 100 million, no, a billion devices, right? They said they want to get to a billion devices by, oh, they said two to three years, and that was in 2015. Uh, there was an update to this, I don't know, like, Two years ago, we or a year and a half ago, we talked about it on the show. Well, now they're at 900 million. Um, and uh, I just thought this was a fun little update to the previous article that we talked about. Um, you got to remember that in that in the past year and a half since we talked about it last, they killed off Windows Mobile. So you got to imagine that that would have hurt their numbers. Maybe not a lot, but there were Windows Mobile devices out there. Um, and there haven't been any real... Uh, like huge influxes of Windows users that's just been steadily growing. Uh, for comparison, though, and the article says, you know, it calls this right out in the uh, the title, Microsoft hits a major Windows 10 milestone, but there's no catching iOS or Android. And these are the numbers that actually really surprised me. So it says a billion active devices is nothing to scoff at, but it is a far ca- a far cry from some other mainstream operating systems. Apple recently revealed that there were 1.4 billion active iOS devices. That's just iOS. That's not even laptops. That's not macOS. That's just iOS. And Google has 2.5 billion active Android devices. I, for some reason, was unaware that, hey, I woke up my Google device. Shut up, you! <laughs> all because, Excellent job. All because I, I said the word Google. <laughs> right. So I, I wonder. I wonder. So the Android devices probably um, probably encompass. You know, you get phones, you get tablets, but there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of other devices that have Android in it as well. Well, the um, thing the thing I was thinking and, and different things like that. The thing I was thinking was that um, iOS has a higher price point, right? So a lot of people especially people who are outside of the U.S., probably depend on on Android devices because they generally have a lower price point. So that's probably how they got to the 2.5 billion, just because, you know, Apple 
Apple makes a good device, but it is a much higher price, generally. So that's probably what it's probably just a question of affordability. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're better <laughs> one way or the other. It's just there's a lot more of them. Um, I always I was always under the impression that iOS had more uh, devices in the wild, and that's why it seemed like a lot of uh, a lot of applications and whatnot supported iOS before they supported Android. But this number doesn't really support that, so maybe people yeah, just no, like I mean, Apple look, better. I figured Android uh, would have more. And they've got two and a half billion devices and three and a half billion versions. So, <laughs> got a point there. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, next one is from. It says CNBC in the URL, but it's this must be like some division called Make It. Oh, whatever. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's what's that in weird. the banner at the top. Uh, anyway, oh, it's it's the it's their business business okay. uh, division, I guess. I included this mainly because I think it's just awesome and terrible at the same time. Apparently, you can now apply for a job at McDonald's using an Amazon or an Alexa Google Assistant. Wait, Amazon. Let me or let Alexa. me help you out. Amazon Alexa uh, or Google oh. Assistant. <laughs> yep. So so let me help you out. Um, Alexa, help me get a job at McDonald's. Okay, Google. Talk to a talk to McDonald's apply through. <laughs> I feel like Alexa is going to get more love on this one because the Google one is just hard to say. It is hard to say. Um, yeah, the hell is an apply through? It's got me. Oh, that's the name of the thing. That's got me. that's okay. I mean, but yeah, I mean, this I I would be curious uh, the adoption numbers for Google's assistant devices versus Amazon Alexa. Um, it's another case where it feels like the Alexa is everywhere and the Google Home is definitely out there, but it seems less, uh, like there's less of them. I don't know. Of course, I have a Google device, as you just heard me trigger it earlier. Um, so it's mainly because I always root for the underdog, Look, I guess. Alexa, Alexa is everything, including the twerky stuffed bear. I know, I Twerking saw that. bear. What was See that? that? <laughs> Freaking it's a, ridiculous! Yeah. It's one of the new Alexa device. They they uh, it but, was at the the whatever it was. But why? Thing. Why do you need it? Um, why not? <laughs> don't look. Don't you 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 shouldn't be dissing our furry <clears throat> new twerking overlords. Yeah right. So yeah, um, I mean this is neat. I think. I am curious what the workflow is like, but I'm not about to apply to McDonald's to find out. Um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm like curious, does it quiz you? Does it ask you for all your information? Or does Google already have it and they just send it along? <laughs> uh, just think, now you can you can apply via Alexa or, or via your Google device, and then um, both McDonald's and Amazon or Google will have your yeah. social security number, your work history, you know, all those good things. But the, it'll be great. But what, I mean, seriously, what could go wrong there? That seems perfectly fine. Nothing. 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 Um, but this is, I mean, so this is, this is also in addition to McDonald's is, is putting together um, AI powered voice activated ordering kiosks. Yeah. We chatted about that. So like when you, show. Yeah, yeah. So, so when we go through the drive-through, we can, you know, uh, okay, McDonald's, order me a hamburger. <laughs> Perfect. 
And I just want to see, I, they have to keep the scratchy voice thing. Otherwise, oh, yeah. it's just not McDonald's I mean, anymore. Absolutely. Otherwise, it yeah. wouldn't be McDonald's. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you'd you probably get a modulator for that. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah absolutely. you drive up in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like um, people who make home uh, video game systems, and they have to put in a monitor that either emulates or causes the same scan lines that they had in the arcade. Otherwise, it doesn't work right. Otherwise, it's not right. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, screw that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, come on. <laughs> we've, we've moved beyond this. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm okay with a button I can press so that I can go, ah, uh, nostalgia, and then flip it back and go, okay, yeah, now right. I can actually I can, see the game. Now I can see without getting a headache. Thanks. <clears throat> All right, so our next article comes from Silicon Angle, which I don't know, I've never heard of these people before. It came up in a Google alert that I have set up um, to prepare for this show. How um, could you How could you not have heard of them? They're the voice of enterprise and emerging yeah, tech. The voice. It says so right on the top of the page. The voice of enterprise and emerging tech. In those brackets, though, the hard brackets made it like I couldn't read it because of that. Anyway, um, so Red Hat Ansible enables enterprise security to fight fire with fire. And the article goes on and gives you some backstory about how the bad guys are already using automation and yada, yada, yada. But the guts of the article is really about how um, a lot of companies, as I'm sure all of us are aware, um, they'll deploy a whole bunch of different security tools that maybe don't talk to each other well. And, um, you know, so like they'll have their SIM and they'll have like their AV and they'll have all these other things that either respond to threats or detect threats or whatever. And this article is basically talking about how, um, did they say Red Hat or was it just that it's Red Hat software? Let me show you. Yeah, it is Red Hat. Red Hat is looking to help use Ansible as the glue to put all of those pieces together, right? So Ansible automation between all of these various pieces could make, you know, the thing, the alert that triggered in Splunk go, you know, I don't know, respond to something on your firewall or in your SIM or something. So I think that's, it's just kind of neat. Uh, it's, it sounds like a good use of automation to me. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of neat, so I threw it in there. Yeah. Can, can you believe this, Charles? He hasn't even started this new job yet, and he's already shilling their software. Totally. Because we've never, ever oh. talked about Red Hat on this podcast before. <laughs> I just hope that we're going to start rolling in that that sweet marketing money. So yeah, maybe uh, hey. maybe maybe Red Hat will buy Iron Sysadmin. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> or sponsor us or something. <laughs> hey man, you can't put a price on integrity. Right. <laughs> so, uh, do do uh, in in all in all seriousness, yes, the 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 automation of the security tools is neat. Yeah, um, right. I mean, come on. That's cool. I, so, yeah. So, I mean, the, the prop that, so there's this whole automation thing is wonderful for things like, um, you know, C, the CICD process and making sure that you're, you're, you're compiling and deploying exactly the same way. Um, it's great for repeatable processes. My concern is when you start dealing with security and, and there's, there's, there are definitely bits of security that, should be automated. Um, I mean, if you think of the, um, and I'm going to choke, uh, the DevSecOps movement, um, which I think is a big <laughs> cop-out. But uh, What are you talking about? Uh, if you go down that path, 
security is supposed to be part of it from the beginning. We don't have to put it into the stupid title. Anyway, that aside, um, if you think about like a CSCD process, like automating the uh, static analysis or automating the dependency analysis and, and like all those things, like that's stuff that absolutely you should be using automation for that, whether it's Ansible or Puppet or Chef or, you know, whatever other instant assault. Um, CF engine, if you're still living in the eighties, um, that stuff is, is, is great. But when you're dealing with, um, like a security threat and an active security threat, I'm not fully convinced at, at this point that we have automation that can react to that in a way that is, uh, viable. Because especially if the the attackers know that there's automation behind it, you can trigger it once, see what it does, and then well now you know how to get around it because you saw what it did. So I think there's you know it's cool, it's neat, and I think it's it's moving yeah, forward, I mean, but I think I, there's a lot more to do. I could imagine. I mean, it's still going to be useful. You're right. A, a persistent attacker is going to you know learn what's going on there. And and work around it, but I think like your average like I'm brute forcing your WordPress login, like that's that's an easy thing to pick out and say you're a bad guy. We're gonna block you, and that person's just gonna move on to the next site. You know, so you're right. It's right. Like, no, and and that that sort of automation's been in place for I've been doing that for yeah, I don't know uh, the longest time. Um, yeah, but so imagine okay. like like just blocking them on your web server that's running WordPress. Sure, that's a thing that's been really easy to do with something you know a tool like OSIC or whatever, forever. Um, maybe not forever, but for ten years already, which in IT terms is practically yeah, forever. yeah, yep. But imagine you know taking that information and blocking them more globally. Like this guy's attacking WordPress. It means we don't want him on our network at all. Block him at the edge. Right. Like that's a thing that's not yeah. as easy to do. But with automation tools, you know, that becomes a lot more attainable. Right. You know, that, that alert triggers an Ansible playbook, which goes onto your Palo Alto and says, this IP can be blocked everywhere. Don't let them into our network for anything. You know? Right. Right. Yep. That sort of stuff might be useful. Yeah. Until they can spoof it and, you know, they well, start blocking. Yeah. I mean, every, traffic, but, you know, everything, everything has its limits. Yep. All right, so moving along to our next article. This is from CRN News, Analysis and Perspective for Solution Provider. Whatever. Uh, did you hear about the AWS billing error? Actually, no. No, neither did That's I. I, did. I. I didn't hear about it either until when I was collecting stuff. I actually found a follow-up article um, about like, oh, what did the AWS billing error mean to customers? I'm like, wait, billing error? <laughs> So I looked it up, and uh, yeah, apparently AWS made an oops and charged some customers up to three times what they were supposed to, which, I mean, personally, my AWS bill is pretty darn small because I don't do much there, but I can imagine someone who's spending thousands all of a sudden getting three times that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's you know, this, this, this harkens back to... Uh, uh, the various different times that um, companies like AT&T have done similar things. You know, you get a $6,000 bill and you yeah. go, yeah. what? <laughs> it's a phone line. How does that happen? 
Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, these things happen. Um, I'm sure it was a screw up in automation somewhere. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure this isn't like someone's trying to eke more money out of their customers or something. It was obviously a mistake, um, but it is, you know, a pretty big mistake <laughs> when you think about the Yeah, here. so so if I'm re- as I'm reading through this, it looks like um, what happened is they started charging more hours, more running hours for an instance than yeah. there were in the month. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm getting out of it too. So, so which yeah. is, which is, you know, it's probably a rounding error or an off by everybody, one error or uh, something goofy like that. Everybody go double check your AWS bill for September just to be safe. <laughs> All right. And our I last article for the night. Yet. I don't think I have either. Mine's mine is literally like, pennies because i think all i have up there is a little bit of storage on s3 and i don't have any running instances at this point anyway yeah and i do my i do my dns through there because it's really super convenient so my 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 bill is like two bucks a month yeah and practically free (laughs) dns yeah yeah so our last article for the night comes from ars technica this is an interesting one uh did anybody get a chrome update recently that maybe bricked their mac Yes. No, I stopped the, running that crap a long time ago. Yes to the first, uh, no to the second. <laughs> I haven't run Chrome for a while. I do keep it on my machine, though, because there are times when it's handy to have a second browser. Um, I did not fall prey to this. but uh, So, Charles, you, you brought this one up. I don't know if you read the article more more deeply than, than the rest of us did, but uh, you, you want to take this one? Well, I mean, so the... <laughs> There's a really fascinating subtext to this that I don't feel like getting into, but <laughs> um, so, you know, since like El Capitan, there's the system protection feature. I forget the exact name. Basically, you know, the, the root file system on your Mac is protected. system integrity prote- prevention. Yeah. So, you know, the root part of your file system is protected and you have to go to some lengths to actually modify it. Like just wait, they typoed you know, it. So think. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to derail. Think about the, the what I just said. And system, yet you're gonna do it anyway. System integrity prevention. Doesn't that mean I'm preventing system integrity? Well, I mean, in this case, yes. It's, it's actually um, it's actually called system integrity protection. The article typoed it. Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Um, hey Charles, did you hear about this thing? Sorry. <laughs> Hey, Charles, did you hear your jackass co-host is leaving you in the lurch in your current job? What? Okay, in other news, Chrome. um, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes. So the, um, yeah, so by default, you know, your Mac prevents you, even if you're like pseudoing, you can't, I don't think you can modify the, you know, kind of the internal root file system without like actually logging in as the admin user and doing some special things. It's meant to be difficult. I, I've never had to touch it, and you know, I'm running all kinds of things locally, and I've never had to disable that protection, even temporarily. Right. Um, but so the reason a particular group of people noticed is, I guess there's this long-running thing between Apple and NVIDIA. I, I don't even want to know what the history is. I guess if you're running Avid and you have a special graphics card, you basically have to have this integrity turned off for things to work that's handy so enter google which um for reasons that have not yet become completely clear the 
this particular Chrome update, uh, I guess it removed the symlink from slash var to slash private slash var, which is like the actual system slash var, and it's kind of important. So, you know, you do that, and then you reboot. Um, So, you know, you reboot, having done that, you you basically got no operating system. Um, (laughs) No, you've got an operating system, just none of its supporting components. (laughs) And I suppose it's cons- well because I mean, it's only the sim link that got nerfed. So yeah. you know you do root or something, and you get in there and do things that a Mac user doesn't normally does, and put the sim link back, and yeah. you know you're good. Good. And right. Of course, I guess Google didn't notice this during testing because they had system integrity protection turned on yeah, and didn't right. notice whatever this process was supposed to be doing wasn't actually working on their test systems. Right. And what moron would disable SIP anyway? Apparently somebody with an NVIDIA graphics card. <laughs> yeah, so, oops. I, mean, I don't think it affected anybody where we work, but I certainly saw people, yeah, I certainly I, saw chatter about it. I, I had not heard about it um, until I was scraping up some news for this, and I kind of passed over it, just like, oh, well, whatever. And then you brought it up when we were preparing for the show. I'm like, yes, we have to cover that. <laughs> Yeah, so there's instructions in the article here about how to fix it if you happen to know someone who has fallen prey to this. Chances are you don't, because I'm thinking most Mac users leave that protection turned on, because that's part of the reason you run a Mac, because, you know, yeah, so, generally a so pretty safe I, I've run into I've run into a lot of instances where SIP has been a, has prevented me from doing certain things. Now, I'm, I'm more of a power user than the yeah. average person. But, yeah, right. Um, and and just just it may be more turning it off may be more more common than you think because every time I go looking for solutions, there's all these wonderful um, wonderfully helpful people who tell you how incredibly useless SIP is and how Mac doesn't know what they're doing and you should disable it by doing this and and it's the best thing you can possibly do your computer will work wonderful so um, it, it I hope it's not this way but. Um, Look, if you if you have a Mac and and you've disabled SIP, turn it back on. That's kind of important and very useful. I'm not even sure how to turn it off, and um, I'm not even going to look it up because <laughs> then I'll be yeah. tempted, and, and by then the I'll, way, I'll end up nuking Var. Yeah, by by the way, this isn't this isn't you know a, oh Apple's like preventing me from blah 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 blah. Um, Microsoft does this too. Uh, they have yeah. I don't know what they call theirs, but it's it's similar. They do something very similar. Uh, and and this is sort of becoming a common thing in in consumer operating systems. So uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't disable this. I mean, it sh- um, there's it ways to work be. around it if you need to. Like, there's always going to be power users who want to work around the security framework that's in front of them. But for the average user, the operating system should be protected. I mean, there's just no reason it shouldn't be at this point, because there's so many people who don't care or don't don't know and don't care. Uh, how their machine ticks, and all they want is to be able to use it. And for those people, um, you want them to just work, and you want them to be safe, and you want you know viruses and other nasty things to not be able to prey on them as easily. Uh, so, you know, yes, it should be there. Yes, you should leave it on, unless you absolutely know what you're doing. <laughs> and then you've accepted the risks. <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, if something if something that you're trying to use is blocked by SIP, you can disable SIP, run the thing that you're tr- that you're trying to run, and then turn SIP back on 
um, there, there's a sequence you could find it online. Um, but it will allow that one thing that you're trying to run, and then you'll still have the protections of of SIP for the rest of the stuff. So, yeah. you know, for those of you that that are trying to do things and and are comfortable with the system, like there, there's a way around this. Cool. So yeah, Chrome broke some systems that had their security features turned off. I I really I really want to know what the hell Chrome was doing deleting the var symlink. Like how did that happen? How was that a mistake? <laughs> so Charles is is rapidly speaking, um, which is actually kind of funny because he's on mute. Yeah, Oops. well, wrong push to talk key. There's too many apps <laughs> in the world. Um, I don't know. Do they like? One too many forward slashes. I mean, that's that's an easy right. mistake to make. I don't know. I, mean, I blew I blew away slash lib on a system once. So I had. Did I ever tell you about so the time I, I accidentally a deleted a rev manager? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't a path problem. Though. It was literally a, a single digit in uh, mistake in my command. Ah, uh, such good times. Anyway, I think that covers the news for tonight, and uh, we're actually like, we're we're done with the show at a decent, decent time point. I, I don't know what we did wrong. Hang on, let me go find some more news. Can um, we can we invite hacker news? Can we invite Danny on the show that. quick just to like derail for, I don't know, forty five minutes? Then we'll be at the usual time point. <laughs> Who knows? He may be watching. It's possible. That he's he, just going to like you know, hop he in. He's dial in. All of a sudden, my phone's going to start ringing. Hey, I heard you. <laughs> yeah, this is not a name that we want to invoke. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I guess uh, thank you, folks, for watching. Anyone who's watching live, we had a couple people chatting with us tonight, as usual. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. I hope the stream was of decent quality. We had a couple problems getting it going this, uh, going tonight just because of the new complexities that we're still working through and my old laptop. So, um, yeah, if I had a better laptop, this wouldn't be a problem. I need more memory, guys. That's That was the problem, random memory. Anyway, um, right, so if you want to watch us live, uh, if you don't know where to find us live, go check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Podcast. And subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell. It'll let you know when we go live. Uh, we do that roughly the second and fourth Thursday of every month, uh, unless we have some weird, you know, life thing come up that uh, prevents us from recording, which almost happened tonight. <laughs> if you want to chat with us or chat with any other listeners, you can do so via Slack. Go to ironsysamin.com forward slash Slack, and that'll take you to an invite link where you can join our Slack team. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just find Iron Sysadmin. And uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you might find podcasts. Oh, I did add us. Uh, we had a request on Reddit. By the way, we have a subreddit, which none of us, I think, checks, but I do from time to time. Uh, we had a request on Reddit to be added to Spotify, which I have done. So if any of you are Spotify listeners and you would like to go use Spotify to listen to the show, you should be able to do that now. Uh, so let me know how it works, because I don't use Spotify. But I see it listed there, and ta-da. And uh, as mentioned earlier in the show, if you want to support the show directly and monetarily, you can do so via Patreon, patreon.com slash ironsysadmin. And um, yeah, that's about it. So thank you guys for watching, or thank you for listening, if you're listening to the show uh, audio only. And I guess we will catch you next time.
you guys want to say good night are you going to sit there quietly i think we're 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 locked trying to figure out who's going to speak first uh, who's gonna uh, okay jason go uh, <laughs> no wait oh <laughs> uh, see no let's see good night y'all i've ruined it Hi, everybody <laughs> good night everybody Microsoft plays ketchup. Does that, did, did that sound like ketchup? That sounded like ketchup, didn't it? <laughs> if you keep this up, we're going to have to do outtakes at the end. We are. <laughs> Microsoft plays ketchup. I, I hate this word. I don't like it.